Joe Biden doesn't have real teeth. Are you not familiar with this? No. Joe Biden's a liar. He's fake. No, Joe Biden is very <laughs> honest. He was given a smile to reflect the joy in his heart. All right. He earned it. <laughs> Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we're feeling it. If this is your first time joining us. Welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime. Hold your ears, folks. Here we go. See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butt. Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody. So glad to have you again with us listening to the pod. We will be getting into what we're feeling this week and then later on in the episode talking about our main topic, the film Logan. But first, we're going to introduce ourselves. So uh, let us know who you are, what you do, and if you could have any X-Men mutant superpower... Which would you choose? I'm Sandra Omstetz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And Mystique has always been the one I've envied the most. Just the ability to look like anyone in the world. Uh, that's a lot of power that I, I think I would make good use of. Nice. Hi, I'm Lucas Ryder, designer in the Bay Area. And I dislocated my shoulder last week. So I'm definitely going to choose Logan's healing ability. Ooh. Oh, yeah. sorry about your shoulder, man. No, I'm I'm fine, guys. Um, I'm fine. Well, I am Lawson Soward, an art director in Nashville, Tennessee, and if I could have any X-Men mutant power, I would want the powers of Jean Grey because I feel like if you can use telekinesis and all that kind of different stuff, you can make yourself fly. And I want to be able to fly it, but also move stuff with my brain, so it's kind of all for one. So what you're saying is you'd like to be able to fly, but you'd also like some bonus powers. Exactly. Get the most bang for my buck out of this hypothetical. <laughs> All right. So speaking of getting the most bang out of your buck, getting something that has one application but many uses, that doesn't even work. Uh, I was trying to think of like Swiss Army knife. You have one knife and then you have all these different uses. Maybe that could tie in to Lucas's pick, but it didn't work. So Lucas, why don't you just start telling us about your pick this week? This week I'm feeling the soundtrack for the movie Swiss Army Man. You guys saw this, right? So good. I did. Yeah. Totally. Yep. I, yeah, I really liked the film. The film came out last summer. It was really quirky and weird and fun. But what really stuck out to me was the soundtrack. For the most part, this soundtrack is completely a cappella. It's done by two of the guys from the band Manchester Orchestra, um, Andy Hall and Robert McDowell. And they really got the feel for the movie. And they worked with the directors to do this mostly a cappella soundtrack, which is so, so weird. <laughs> um this is a castaway type movie, and so a lot of this movie takes place with just one or two characters, um, kind of in a deserted island type situation. And the soundtrack uses a lot of their a lot of their vocals and a lot of their dialogue um, in a sing songy way. And they they brought in the two leads to do some singing on this as well. And they do the Jurassic Park theme song and a and a really sullen version of Cotton Eye Joe, which is a ton of fun. But my favorite is they have a montage sequence in this film um, and they play this song called Montage. It's really just a narration of what's going on and it's weird and quirky and guys, this is so good. It's something I've been playing at work all week. It's amazing. Um, and it's something that I really appreciated when it first came out. But now that I've been listening to it all the time, it's definitely something I, like I, I want to revisit this movie again after listening to the soundtrack so much. Yeah, I listened to the soundtrack before I had seen the movie because I adore Manchester Orchestra. Um, I saw them back in 2006 opening up for Brand New and I'd never heard of them. And by the end of the concert, they were one of my favorite bands. Like they're just so, so talented. And the two guys who are working on this uh, record are incredible. It, it's like music that is like you're saying, Lucas, like it's perfect to work to, it's perfect to design to or whatever else you want to do. It's great road trip music, running music, whatever. Like uh, Manchester Orchestra was always really good running music. 
Um, and this definitely is. Um, and a little uh, Easter egg. It's Church of Christ approved, guys. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Man, that is like... That is not a good calling card for this <laughs> yeah. band. Yeah, no, seriously. it's not at all. It's um, <laughs> I love that. I love the soundtrack in spite of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it it, it is cool. The uh, the two directors who um, who did Swiss Army Man, they directed Manchester Orchestra's Simple Math music video, um, and oh, you really? can tell. Sorry, what? no. That's just like I love that. It's one of my favorite. It's probably my favorite music video ever. Yeah, yeah. So they, those, the guys who directed that music video are the guys who did Swiss Army Man. And you can tell a lot of like the visual VFX stuff that they did. Yes. Um, that's, that's kind of where that stuff started was on their, their music video shoots. Lucas, you're blowing my mind right now. It's pretty I'm crazy, like, huh? Yeah, I'm putting all the jigsaw pieces together in my brain yeah. and it's <laughs> incredible. It, the it first really time, is. The first time I saw that music video, I was like, oh, music videos can do this? Like yeah. it was unreal and they took so many of those practical effects with like special effects incorporated the exact right amount and put it in this movie uh okay now i'm just gonna go watch the movie and the music video again there you go there you go yeah i would i would definitely recommend the movie to anyone who hasn't seen it and uh the soundtrack for everybody else and i'm gonna recommend the music video for simple math for anyone who hasn't seen <laughs> that's it. what you're feeling this week <laughs> that's not what i'm feeling this week i'm just tacking it onto yours <laughs> All right. Well, Sandra, what are you feeling this week, bud? This week, I'm feeling um, a Netflix stand-up special called um, Lower Classy from a comedian that I really adore. Her name is Cristela Alonso. Um, I have such a fondness for Cristela. She um, grew up in the Rio Grande Valley, which is a place where I grew up. It's in the very, it's the most southern part of South Texas. Um, she grew up just a few towns away from me. And so... Um, I'm fond of anyone who makes it in the entertainment business that also grew up where I grew up. Um, but in addition to just her and I being from a similar place, she's incredibly funny. Um, she has been doing stand-up comedy for a long time now. Um, she's one of those comedians that if you probably haven't heard of, but she makes like really great money doing stand-up comedy. Um, she's very big in like a Latino um, like comedy scene that maybe like you or I don't go to it very often. Um, but speak she's... for yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I am such a huge fan of hers. She had a ABC Family sitcom that lasted just one season last year. Unfortunately, it was canceled. But I was also a big fan of her show. It was self-titled. It was called Cristela. She's the first um, Mexican-American woman to, like, create her own sitcom. Um, oh, and awesome. star in it. So that was, like, a really big deal. I am just... I've always been a fan of hers on podcasts or on her show. And so when I found out she was getting a stand-up special on Netflix, I was also really excited for that. So I watched that this week, and I had such a ball. Um, she's... I can't say it too many times. She's so funny. Um, in addition to just being really great, she really talks about the election in a fun, lighthearted way that's also, like, important. Um, she obviously has a lot of comedy about being a Mexican woman, about growing up poor in South Texas. That's um, comedy that I really appreciate. Um, she has things that are kind of regional that I definitely found hilarious growing up in South Texas that I'm sure other people will as well, but because they're from my part of the country, you know, I have a special fondness for her. Um, one of those bits is about the, the singer Selena. Um, I, growing up in South Texas, Selena is just like this mythical figure and I grew up listening to her music and she has a few really great things to say about her. For those of you that don't know Selena, <laughs> Selena is the closest thing Latinos have to a superhero. She is a Mexican-American singer. She died over 20 years ago, and we still talk about what she could have done. Oh, if Selena was still here. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, 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 oh. Trump would build a wall. She would knock it down with her voice. Bitty, bitty, bum, bum, down, 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 down. 
when I heard that, I was just dying because that is how important <laughs> Selena is. Um, so oh my gosh. She has a bunch of other great jokes that really resonated um, just with me growing up in that area. I am not a Latina woman, but um, I did grow up around almost everyone my high school was. And um, this is like a genre of comedy that I think is so important, especially today. And so um, she's also just incredibly positive and lighthearted. And um, she has like very poignant things to say, but she couches them in a bunch of goofiness that is really fun to watch. So I would highly, highly recommend um, checking out her Netflix special. I watched it after seeing a really dark movie, and it was a really great <laughs> pick What was your really dark movie, Sandra? Oh, I think we'll hear a little bit about of it later in the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I loved this. I, I'd never heard of her before I watched her her Netflix special. Oh, good. And so you've seen this. It's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched it the weekend it came out just because it came up in my... Uh, in my what is it my recommended on netflix i watch yeah. just about anything that comes up in my recommended on netflix my right. recommended um, on netflix is all stand-up specials at this point <laughs> well they just announced recently that they're going to be releasing one every week this year oh gosh oh yeah they so, own stand-up they got louis they got seinfeld they got Chappelle. they got like chris rock chris rock all the biggest yeah. people and yeah. then they have all of the people who are like kings of today yeah. too kings of yeah kings netflix of is getting out of control on their stand-up game everybody gets a special but this was one that i yeah i i hadn't heard of her and so i was like all right i'll watch this and she's hilarious she really is and i growing someone as someone who did not grow up in south texas did not get the selena information but the joke (laughs) is still funny (laughs) sandra's love for selena is one of my favorite things about her (laughs) it's not unique to me, if you grew up in South Texas, it is like such a big. I thing. believe like, it. I believe every, it. We grew up watching that J Lo Selena movie at sleepovers. I we could quote that movie as I watch it. Um, See, I can't even. I can't even name Corpus a J Lo Selena to, movie. Like, pay homage to the Selena statue. Of course, um, these yeah, are real things. Oh, I'm yeah serious about that. Like, if I'm in Corpus, we're gonna go see the Selena statue. Another joke that she has, like in the special, that I, I'm not gonna like ruin a punchline or anything, but. Um, well, maybe I am. I don't you know. You probably but... deliver it better. It's fine. <laughs> no, I'm sure, I'm sure. But like one that really stood out as like being very specific to growing up on the border in South Texas um, is she jokes about how she like has money now and she can go to the doctor and she goes, yeah, and I get to go to a doctor in the United States. And that <laughs> is a huge joke for us because Everyone I knew growing up, if you had to get like expensive medical work done, you crossed the border and you got it done in Mexico. Like, oh, yeah. No one I knew got braces done in the United States. They all would get them done in Mexico. And so, like, that joke really rang true to me. Um, And so, I things like that, I really appreciate. Totally. My grandparents, um, whenever they got, what are those things called where you like put perfect teeth on top of your regular teeth? Like caps? I think what? so. Like what Joe Biden has. What? I yeah, I think like caps. No, yeah, it's a thing. If you have uh, bad teeth, you couldn't afford orthodontia or whatever it is whenever you're younger, there's an operation you can do to get like caps on your teeth that look like a perfect smile, basically. Like it's an operation you can have done. And, it's an operation? So it's, so it's real. It's not like dentures over your teeth. Right. You don't take them off and all that stuff. They're part of, they, yeah. It's an operation. Yeah, so Lucas, this is very basic. Yeah. Wow. I wow. I did not know about this at all. Well, your family probably has perfect teeth, so you've never had to deal with it. But for the I rest had braces of us, for like ten years. No, yeah, I did. Too, and I, I did didn't too. know about this option. <laughs> well, it's very painful, and you have a recovery time, so it's not ideal. But basically, is, your grandparents went to Mexico to get them done. Last yeah, year? way way too much to say. My grandparents <laughs> both went to Mexico to do that. Like that's a very Texas thing to do. Yeah. And like yeah. you buy your medicine in Mexico, like yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so her joke about like getting medical work done in the United States, like that's the level of rich she's at, like really landed for me. That's awesome. I had no, I've never heard of Cristela Alonso, but despite my like, I just I um, love so many things about what's going on with this, but I haven't watched it, so I'm totally going to now. Something I would also, if you if you watch the stand-up special and you, like, are really enjoying her and you want to kind of, like, learn more about her story, she did an episode on a now, like, ended podcast, but I bet you could still, like, subscribe and listen to this episode. The, the podcast is called, 
Oh, I'm blanking on the name. It's hosted by Moshe Kasher and Neil Brennan. Oh, it's called The Champs. Um, so if you look up the podcast called The Champs, um, she did an episode of it. You can just scroll down and find her name. And in that episode, she kind of like walks through her life story, um, like growing up in South Texas, like in, in like very, very poor um, with like an immigrant single mom and how she kind of like made it in the comedy world in a big way. And then also how she got her TV show, which was also kind of a miraculous story. So I would highly recommend listening to that and finding out more about her. Even if you don't have the cultural references of South Texas, it is still hilarious. Yeah, I, I would <laughs> yes. agree. Um, that's just why I'm particularly feeling yeah. it, I would say. And Sandra, your talk about a miraculous story for a Mexican-American woman who is hilarious, heartfelt, and saying important this better things. better land. Could not be a better transition to my pick for the week, the amazing television show Jane the Virgin. Great. Yeah. That actually I was, worked. Well done. Thank you. I feel like I actually landed one, and I'm going to retire after this episode. No more transitions ever. <laughs> so uh, have you guys watched Jane the Virgin at all? No, it's a show that I probably should watch, um, and then I just never have, and now it's like several seasons in, and I just know I need to watch it at some point. I'm in the same boat. I will tell you guys that I believe in shows that you should watch as much as I believe in guilty pleasures in music, which is, I don't. Like, um, you don't, I don't want you to feel an extra sense of guilty, guilt or obligation or anything like that to watch this show. Um, I think it is a show that you can be perfectly fine to not watch. Um, and there's so much TV on right now that's incredible. I totally get it. Um, anybody listening, you two guy, like, don't, don't worry about it. However, you're not, you're not selling really the show at all. <laughs> no, you're just like, eh, it's, you don't need it. Watch like, it. Don't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> watch it. Don't watch it. It's fine. No, but I'm feeling it. So if you want to watch something that I'm feeling, then you should watch it. Uh, it's so good. It's so, so good. Um, it took me until this is the sixth episode. It was very entertaining every episode um, up until the sixth one. Uh, but the sixth one is really what hooked me. And now I find myself really caring about uh, these characters and what happens next and really being invested in the story and wanting to go forward. Um, so did you just start it recently? And uh, yeah. In, on I, season one? I just started. And that's part of why... That's <laughs> that's what I was trying to communicate with my no guilt thing was like, <laughs> I just started it so you don't have to feel bad. Um, so, but yeah, it's, it's so fun. It's such a feel-good um, show. It shows... Um, elements of family and faith in really like positive ways, but it's not uh, like it doesn't beat preachy. you over the head with anything. Yeah, it's not preachy at all. Um, it's uh, based on a telenovela, but um, does a really fun and, and interesting job of translating it to modern times. Um, it's set in Miami, so it's like really bright and uh, energetic and fun. Um, some of the characters are hilarious in every single scene. Uh, Jaime Camille plays uh, Rogelio de la Vega, which is Jane's dad, and he's magnetic and hilarious in every single scene that he's in. Um, and I really just can't say enough about Gina Rodriguez. She plays Jane, um, and her performance is... I don't know how an actress... Can, I feel like it can't be an acting thing, almost. Like... She just must be an abidingly good person because every time she's on screen, there's just something about her presence, something about the way she delivers everything that just makes you like instantly care about her, want the best for her, um, understand all of her backstory as someone who's always tried to do the right thing and is um, now in a bunch of different situations that are really difficult to figure out what the right thing to do is. Um, it's just a lot of fun. It's... Um, at first, whenever I was watching it, I was like, uh, I in, went through a lot of drama in high school relationships, and even that, <laughs> like, ages 14 through 18 was enough for me not to want to watch a show that's based on uh, dramatic relationship stuff. Um, based on a telenovela, there's plenty, you know, romance and star-crossed lover stuff and uh, people being related to other people that you didn't know about and betrayal and all this, like... Uh, mainstays for the genre but um 
by the time you get into it, if you give it a couple of episodes to try it, it's really, really easy to fall in love with all these different characters um, and be really compelled by what's going on. And um, I mean, there's there's real stuff. There's real difficult things. There's real uh, personal dynamics between family members and all these different um, things that feel like uh, a real slice of life. But there's other parts that are very exaggerated and very, you know, there's elements of magical realism. There's over-the-top stuff. Um, but it all just, it doesn't, as it's able to pack a dramatic punch without feeling high stakes, which I really appreciate. Um, it's nice to watch movies that, or watch TV shows that don't feel like uh, they're life and death, but are still able to feel dramatic at certain times. So anyway, um, it's not, you know, I try to be, I try to shoot straight with you guys. Like, I'm going to tell you when a show is my favorite thing ever, and I'm going to tell you when a show is a show that I just really like and recommend and think you'll enjoy, um, but may not be your cup of tea. And I think that's what this is. And I think it's really good. It's a very enjoyable show. I think if you watch a couple episodes in and you don't like it, then, you know, it's okay. It's not prestige TV. It's going to be all right. But, like, I really, really enjoy it, and I think it's a show that's really fun to watch and um, kind of the perfect thing to keep you compelled. And if you need, you know, if you're watching a super dramatic show, if you're watching some prestige TV, if you're watching a really dark movie about Hugh Jackman being beat up over and over, then you can watch something like Jane the Virgin afterwards <laughs> and uh, be in a much better place. So uh, everyone just, Jane is always trying to be a good person despite being imperfect. And it's so nice to see someone on TV actively trying to uh, pursue making herself and the world a better place. So, I love it. I love the the people involved. Jane the Virgin. Awesome. Okay. I, I would say that even though I haven't seen this show, I do adore Gina Rodriguez. Like, I will seek out any YouTube interview that she's in. I love hearing her speak. Um, I think she's really smart and funny, and um, I, I really have such a fondness for her. So, it's definitely one of those shows that I am going to watch at some point. We'll just find out what that is. <laughs> yeah. I want her to, like, star in a movie now. Like, I don't yeah. want the show to go away because I think it's doing really great and the story's progressing really well, and I'm only in season one. But um, I don't feel like anyone deserves any... – I don't know of any TV actress that I'm more rooting to get, like, a starring role in a big upcoming movie than Gina Rodriguez right now. Yeah. Good, good, good. All right. Well, all that being said, uh, let's move into our main section and talk about Logan. And where down we go, 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 weekend uh we all went and watched the newest installment in the x-men franchise and hugh jackman's last entry as uh logan or wolverine um on the silver screen there's been a lot of critical praise that came out ahead of the movie um which made me very excited to see it for myself having had really mixed reactions to different x-men movies and different wolverine movies in particular um so without going into spoilers what did you guys think? What were your impressions? Well, Sandra, you're you're some you're, sorry. You're the only one of us who hasn't watched any of the other Wolverine solo films, correct? Mm, yeah, correct. Yeah. I've seen, I think, all of the X Men movies aside from the two Wolverine solo movies, and now okay, I've seen so, Logan. Cool. So, not having seen any of the Wolverine movies, what were your impressions of this movie as like? an X-Men movie with no other X-Men besides Wolverine. Because the others are super, super team films. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it was, in that aspect, I think it was a little disappointing. I think my favorite part of the X-Men movies are, like, the big battle scenes when it's, like, all these different types of superpowers, like, interacting with each other, and you get to see, like, 
how those things, same thing with like the Avengers movies where you get to see multiple different types of powers fighting against each other and not just like one person with superpowers fighting a bunch of people that don't have any powers. Uh, that's what makes like the X-Men movies so intriguing and exciting to me. And so this had a lot less of that. Um, and I would assume that the other two Wolverine movies had a lot less of that as well. Um, so that was just like not as fun. Um, I do feel that I didn't need to watch the first two movies to understand what was happening in this movie. Um, yeah. I feel like I've seen enough of Logan in the X-Men movies to like understand his pathos and like um, <laughs> the the plot was pretty easy to follow. I do have a few questions, but I, th I don't think that the questions I have would be answered if I had seen the first two movies. Um, <laughs> so I don't feel like I missed out on not seeing those two movies. Yeah, that's something really interesting all these Wolverine standalones seem to do is it's almost like they're I mean they're not fan fiction films but they kind of feel like isolated episodes away from the rest of the X-Men timeline. Like the X-Men timeline is so inconsistent and convoluted anyway that it's like X or Wolverine movies will take pieces that they are interested in from other X-Men movies to continue over but if they're not if it doesn't serve them they just don't keep it for consistency so logan is very much i agree a standalone in that respect to where like i didn't know where this was supposed to take place like i got the feeling i did but i also like there were a lot of things about this movie that didn't line up with other parts of x-men but it kind of didn't matter you could still follow the story but yeah lucas uh what were your overall thoughts I loved this movie, guys. This movie, <laughs> this movie was yeah. so much fun. I really did. I really did. This is probably one of my favorite superhero movies. Um, which I there's there's been a lot of argument about whether this is a superhero movie because yeah, I a lot of people would say a superhero movie follows a path that a normal person could not follow throughout the plot. Um, and I think this movie is very grounded and very real and. Yes, it deals with Wolverine, but um, a lot of the a lot of the plot points are very, very emotionally based and very small. Um, and I I just thought that was really refreshing. I I also liked Deadpool um, for the same reason of that it's just a different kind of superhero movie. I didn't think Deadpool was the greatest movie that ever happened or anything like that. Um, but I do think it's really nice to see Fox kind of pivoting from their traditional kind of mindset of how to build a superhero movie um, to be yeah. a little more, a little more niche, a little more, um, I guess, tailored. I totally agree. I feel like X-Men Apocalypse was their attempt to like, we're still doing superhero movies. And I <laughs> didn't like it. It but was I, the worst. Yeah, I didn't like it at all. But Deadpool was great. And my overall thoughts, I completely agree with you, Lucas. I loved this movie. I think it's, the best X-Men movie, it's my favorite X-Men movie. And it's kind of crazy to say, but I feel like I can only say, I can only judge it based on my current context. And I know I loved the original. I know I loved X2 back in the day. But I feel like this movie does something that it can only do now. Like you couldn't have made this movie in 2000 because superhero movies weren't so ubiquitous that you could make a movie like this. I feel like this is the mm -hmm. way that movie making kind of has to go to survive the deluge of superhero movies. Like this is a grounded human story that happens to involve people that have some, you know, interesting that have like superpowers. And mm -hmm. there's a couple of elements of this story that happen to be comic book like comic book characters are the characters that move things along but it could it doesn't have to be like it doesn't have to be the situation that it's a superhero or that it's you know somebody who's genetically altered or whatever it is um these this same story could have those same beats without that and getting to see a more human side of logan a more human side of charles um getting to see um this new 
girl x23 um who's the best person ever like i want a hundred more movies with her in the in it she's great just fantastic oh she does so she doesn't talk for like i mean we'll get into that but like she communicates so much without saying a word it's incredible she's so so good i yeah i completely agree she's she's amazing um these these characters feel so real and they don't feel like they're supposed to be fitting an archetype they don't feel like they're supposed to be like matching a comic book uh avatar or whatever it's just like oh this is a person and i know they have a backstory and they have this relationship and there were so many real character beats and grounded moments in this movie i i could not i mean there were great action sequences too but i couldn't get away from how much i cared about these characters i cried three times in this movie (laughs) like, <laughs> it was a superhero movie, an R-rated superhero movie, and I cried three times. It was crazy. Sandra, how many times did you cry? Oh, I didn't <laughs> cry during this movie. So, oh, man. here's the thing. I watched this movie. After watching it, I'm like, I get it. I, I can safely say, like, this is a good, well-made movie. This movie didn't really do much for me, though. Like... It's one of those, I I watched it, just, I felt very detached. Um, It was so bleak and desolate in a way that is, it might just be a very personal thing for me at this moment and this time, but this movie was just a little too much for me to handle um, emotionally. I, I liked that it is like, a new take on like these types of X-Men movies. I like that it's like new and creative. I like that it has the rated R violence. I like um, how beautifully shot it is. I thought all the acting was good. I don't really have a lot of critiques of this movie, like of the way it was made, but watching it, it, I never really felt super excited or like emotionally involved. Um, I, I think I don't know if it's because I haven't seen the other two X-Men or the other two Wolverine movies, but the it's char- definitely not <laughs> the, the yeah. character of Logan has never really excited me. Um, I never really understood why he was like our entry point and like our main character in all of these movies. <laughs> um, I like Hugh Jackman a lot. I, I don't think it's like any fault of his. I just think the character of Logan is just kind of just not super interesting. Um, I will say, as a quick aside, I agree. I have not been interested in him being the entry point into these movies, in any movies except this one. Yeah. But go ahead. So I am, however, incredibly invested in the Charles Xavier character. If I Mm -hmm. was going to cry, it would have been during his scenes, um, because I think Patrick Stewart is incredible. And that character, I have a lot of emotional investment in. And I think that character is very flawed as like, uh, and, and interesting, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. I think like that character does some like fucked up stuff in like the history of these like movies and stories, but is also like desperately like seeking out the good. Um, And that makes for some really interesting storytelling. So that is all to say that like the scenes with Charlie, Charles Xavier I thought I found the most compelling in this movie. Um, I I wish there would have been more. I mean, he wasn't the focus of this movie. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I wish we would have had more time with him. Um, I read this piece that I think is super um, thoughtful and uh, really intelligent. It was written by Emily Yoshida on Vulture, and it's called "What's Behind Pop Culture's Love for Silent Violent Little Girls." Have y'all heard of this article? No. Um, no, but great title. I would click on it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's all about this movie. And it's slightly spoilery, but I feel like if you if you read it, you wouldn't have like anything major be spoiled for you. Um, and it's about this character that's in this new movie, this Laura X-23. Um, and the fact that like she doesn't talk throughout most of the movie. And there several other archetype, uh, other characters that fit that archetype. The most popular and recent one is Eleven from Stranger Things. I think fits that role very, very yep. clearly. Um, and it's just such an interesting look at why 
that is, I find a little bit like problematic um, to have like your one major female character in your movie, like doesn't talk throughout most of it. I, I'm not super comfortable with that idea. Okay. Um, Sandra, I feel like if there were any cultural precedent for the society at large wanting women to be infantilized or silent, this might have a case, but having <laughs> seen no evidence of that, I'm very confused. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I that that was like very frustrating because yeah, yeah. I think this actress was really incredible and um I think they were able by the end of the movie to like make there be a fulfilling story arc for that character but when you take away a character's ability to communicate and like say what they're thinking um you turn them into less of a character and more of a prop and i feel like throughout a large portion of this movie x23 was not a character um Mm. and that was very very frustrating um, I would also argue that that's how Logan views her throughout most of this movie as well. You know, that's fair. Again, you also don't have any other female characters in your movie. So like, mm-hmm. uh, like if it's, it's so much more noticeable when literally you're one female character and there are other female actresses, but none that have like a significant role in this story. Um mm-hmm. Um, One of the quotes from Emily Yoshida's article, she says, I can't help but notice that the X-Men movie where they got rid of all the adult female characters is the one already being hailed as the most grown up and sophisticated. Um, So that's it's just really frustrating. Um, And I think a lot of this the things that this movie does is really cool and exciting. Um, But from a storytelling perspective. Um, I wasn't like as enchanted by it as I think a lot of people are. No, I, I hear that. And I think that is, I I think that's so valid. Um, a lot of the beats of this story were kind of rote. Like how many times have we seen the role of like father figure that doesn't know how to cope with emotions or connect with people, like pushes others away and silently does what he thinks is best while viewing women as prop. Like, yeah, like that's so... That exists. Go ahead. I would also just say, so on top of all of like those storytelling issues that I have, it's just like, it's really dark and violent. And like, I, I don't think the violence itself bothered me, like, or how like gory it is. But I think how like, I just kept thinking of the word desolate. Like, there's just Mm -hmm. not a lot of hope in this movie. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe a different year, I think I would find this, like, really important and great. And just, like, at this time of the year, at where I'm at and where I feel like we are at as a country, um, it was it was just hard to watch, you know? Um, and that's not so much a critique as more as it is just, like, what my experience was like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's I de- a lot I easier definitely... to watch Mad Max in 2015 than 2017. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I, I think the, like, my view of it was still hopeful as opposed to super depressing. I do yeah. think it was, it was, a, it's a depressing Western. I mean, that's, yeah. that, that's it, what, that's it, what is, it is, but. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I just think I wasn't ready in the mood to watch a depressing Western, you know? And like, <laughs> I, I think there, yeah. are, there are critiques of it. And then there's also just me, like not being really ready for it like but yeah we're talking about it this week so i mm-hmm. watched it you know um yeah and i just think that that's important to know that like sometimes i feel like so wrapped up in the need to like see the thing that's out the week that it comes out because like everyone else is seeing it and like you don't want to get mm-hmm. spoiled and sometimes it's also important to know that, like yeah but maybe this isn't good for you right now yeah definitely yeah for sure so overall, I know you talked a little bit about about the um, the, the character, but how did you feel about the actress? Um, uh, what is her name? Uh, Daphne Keene. Yeah, I mean, I liked her, but we don't. She doesn't get to do a lot because she. Doesn't oh, she get gets to do. I I'll, I'll argue with that. She doesn't get to say a lot, but I think she gets to do a lot. I think I I didn't really like. 
about halfway into the movie is when I really realized how good of an actress she was. Like, I think she's phenomenal. Yeah. And I think she's going to be in a ton of stuff after this. She's I, great. I hope so, because I did really like seeing her. Yeah. Yeah, it felt like a breakout role to me as well. The, um, yeah, I feel like if I go into specific things about what was so amazing about it to me, it would be kind of a spoiler. So I want to talk about that more in spoilers. Mm-hmm. But I think she's going to get a lot uh of roles after this. Yeah. Um, I also thought it was like Patrick Stewart. I think that that's, it's the greatest thing that Fox has done to put Patrick Stewart in an X-Men movie. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that he's like hung around this long and just continued to sign on to these movies is incredible. And in this movie, particularly, I think it's the best interpretation of Charles Xavier that we've seen. Without a doubt. I have never felt like, the character Charles Xavier has been more human than in this movie. Like I know they've given him mm-hmm. uh, a flawed story and all of these different motivations and uh, complicated relationships with uh, the students that he's had and his intentions versus what his practical effects in the world are. But I, he was so grounded in this and felt like it felt like there was really a person in the chair um, in this in this film to me um his all of his performance are, performances are amazing i love james james mcavoy as well but i was he's, he, he was my felt like a fun. wizard character i feel like. yes yes he's felt like that's a, a perfect way to say it lucas he's felt like a magician or a wizard or something like that and in this he felt like a person who happened to have more abilities that he needed to figure out how to deal with like he didn't feel like a superhero he felt like a mutant like a person with a mutation and mm-hmm. um i i was so moved by that and it made the story and his character even more compelling than his already compelling character has been yeah in my view definitely um well awesome i i know there's a lot to talk about in spoilers um is there anything that you guys uh want to say for anyone who hasn't seen it yet before we jump into the nitty, the nitty gritty i would say do not spoil yourself. There's a lot of really good stuff in here that I would <laughs> I would say watch the movie. Do not do not read any spoilers, do not listen to any spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um watch watch the movie. Yeah. And Sandra, oh. I would take from you like for anyone who didn't already get it, if you don't feel like you're ready for a bleak movie, don't go see it. That's okay. It'll yeah. be around on DVD or whatever I, later. I would like, say, I guess I, I would say don't underestimate how bleak this movie is. <laughs> yeah. I I tend to be on the, the side of, I tend to side with Lucas a little bit. Like, I think there is hope in this movie, but um, you have to go through a lot to get there yep. for sure. Yeah. All right. Spoilers. All right. Let's talk spoilers. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Now, crack and gas. Spoilers! Remember, you wanted this. Okay, so, Sandra, before I forget, um, I thought that whenever Daphne Keene was talking um, in, like, the second and third acts, her first introduction, whenever she starts talking for the first time, and she starts yelling in Spanish, they don't give her any subtitles. Yeah, but that's the stuff fucked that, up. Yeah, which is messed up. But hearing, like, understanding the stuff that she said in Spanish added such a layer to her performance and to her reasoning for um, for being quiet up to that point. So what did she, she say? She was yelling, and I'm, of course I'm, like, remember, I'll remember correctly, but she was basically like, why would I waste my breath on someone who is doing nothing but insulting me and yelling at me? Like, you're not worth my words. You're not worth my time. Why would I give you the dignity of my voice? Like, well, that's what Oh, she- man. I want that. I yeah, want those subtitles. That, that makes me really angry because, like, that... I mean, I don't... I don't... I think I still critique the movie for making her a silent character, but, like, that would have meant a lot more in that moment and given that character so much depth and... That's really, really fucked up that they didn't subtitle it. So yeah. for for me, a lot of times in my head, when you subtitle it, what you are doing is you are, I guess, translating for the audience 
what people on the screen understand. You're choosing and, what perspective you want the audience to have. And in this case, we are, I think, for for this film, we are in Logan's shoes. We are in Logan's yes. head the entire time. And so we are seeing what he sees. We are getting what he gets, which is absolutely nothing from her. Yeah. And even in that moment, whenever she's yelling and saying, like, very intelligent, compelling things, they they choose to take the perspective of Logan and to be like, mm-hmm. you as the audience should just be confused by the rapid-fire speech of this person who you just found out can talk. Like, that was the directorial decision was to say, it's more important that you are stunned by this flurry of, of sound for the first time than that you understand what they're saying. And it felt like a nice... Uh, layer like there was depth to be mined there but Mm -hmm. it is a bummer that you didn't that like you had to choose between those two perspectives and um in choosing logan's perspective which i can understand which the movie's called logan like i get why they did that but in doing that that you lose out on the kind of that that extra richness Mm -hmm. um but i loved how much this movie played with um i think they were very it struck me as very careful and intentional how much um they spoke to the relationship between mexico and the united states um even what we're talking about earlier in this uh in the feeling it section like stuff that medical procedures happening in mexico that don't happen in the united states like how crazy (laughs) is that um that felt so grounded to me i was like yeah all kinds of messed up shit happens across the border because like people in this country want to do dirty work but are so quick to other people um south of the rio grande and so they'll just like do all the shitty stuff there and um but like the compassion of the nurse that uh, brought Laura across the border and like the fact that Laura spoke fluent Spanish and English and all this different stuff like mm-hmm. it was so to me struck me as as so rich and so grounded in our current situation like they were refugees trying to flee <laughs> from oppression from an oppressive and collapsed and bleak state like and they were fleeing to Canada <laughs> like it this the amount of cultural significance in this film, I feel like couldn't have been something that they anticipated back when they were filming, you know, before this year. So I, I read an interview with James Mangold, the director, and I forget, I wish I could, could cite this, but he, uh, he was talking about how he originally had this set in, in Kentucky, um, where Logan was, was kind of working in Kentucky and storing, um, uh, Xavier, Charles Xavier in a, like a bourbon factory, basically. And they moved it to the border of Texas and Mexico because of how relevant it was and kind of how, I mean, obviously this is still before everything that's gone down with travel bans and stuff like that. And our relationship with Mexico has changed for sure. But just him knowing that like that is a more, that is a, that is a more compelling story and a more compelling, uh, I guess, transition than just keeping this in the United States. Well, that was another thing about this movie that I found frustrating is that I didn't want to bring it up earlier because I didn't know how much of it would be a spoiler. But like this movie got 10 times more interesting once we met like this group of Mexican teens. And like and if this had been a movie about their like their story as like this new generation of mutants um i would be so excited about this movie like i would have been mm. so gung-ho about it um i am 100 percent the opposite <laughs> and sandra i think you're gonna get that movie i don't know oh yeah well i would love to because i think it's like i think those are cool actors and the idea and emily yoshida again talks about this in her piece that i referenced um about how like a group of young mutants finding their way in this society that this would be a very different story because previous ones mm-hmm. are about people like being born with these mutant powers and like discovering that and then finding their community. And this is like about a group of people that are like, um, were abused and like forced into this and then, you know, fleeing. And it's a very different situation. I just think it's, I think it'd be very compelling to see like the differences and, um, like, I, I think that it would be a really awesome story to tell. 
Um, who knows if we'll get that or not, though. I think it's definitely something we'll we'll get, not necessarily as a, like a sequel to Logan, um, but I th- I do think it's something that they'll explore. But I don't think this is the movie to try and fit that in. Yeah, I this this film did so many things that I didn't expect it to do. Um, I I hear what you're saying. But I, I kind of agree that it was like... Lawson, I love your peacekeeping in this podcast. No one's mad at each other. I, I know. We're fu- <laughs> no, I, I don't suspect. I just took... What's, what's the personality quiz where you get a number? Yeah, um, the Enneagram. Yeah, that just, just like came into vogue. I just did that and I You're got a peacekeeper. Nine. So yeah. even when there is not conflict, I try to make sure that everyone feels heard and represented. Yep. Um... But no, like I, I thought that this was, I thought that those characters were great, but I was so compelled by the story of Logan and Charles, like Mm -hmm. that was given such legs and fleshed out so much in a way I'd never seen before. Like I loved that relationship and the, the father son dynamic that they take on and, um, dealing with, uh, mental illness and, um, yeah, a degenerative uh, brain disease was such a compelling move. Like I was, I was so taken by that. And whenever they go in and they stay with that family, and it takes all the time to show you that family, to show you um, the love that that family has, to like give you the backstory about how um, you know there's this, there are these huge uh, agricultural conglomerates that are trying to force them out, which is another like stuff we're dealing with today make you care about them, show you all of the, the hardship, and you have all of the, the backstory of Logan and Charles for, you know, what's been 17 years now. Um, I think that Charles Xavier dying was one of the boldest and most affecting moments I've ever seen in a superhero movie. Like, I, that affected me more than Logan's death. I felt like Logan's death was kind of inevitable, I did mm-hmm. not see the death of the family coming. I did not see the death of um, Xavier coming, of Charles coming. Um, uh. I was so devastated by that and yeah. so impressed that they they took that ch- chance. They went there because it, it hit me. It hit me in a way I didn't know a superhero movie could hit me. When they were staying the night at that family's house, I was so bitter because I was like, ugh. Now I gotta watch this sweet family get murdered. Like I, I was so annoyed. <laughs> I don't know why I got tricked. It worked on me. I was no, like, "Don't be fine." I was like every when when we saw the teens, that was when I got really mad because I was like, "If I have to watch all of these teens get murdered, I'm gonna be so <laughs> angry." Um, because you watch every single other person in the movie get slashed to bits, and yeah, I will say. A black farming family in Oklahoma is something I have not seen in a movie yet. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very true. Yeah. <laughs> that was definitely uh, a choice. Like Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so let's I I wanna clear up some things that maybe y'all have the answers and maybe you don't. Um, yes. So the reason that he died after all this time and like, even though he's been alive for, like, hundreds of years, right? Almost 200 years. Yeah. So, was because the adamantium in his system was poisoning him? And, like... Correct. So, like, I guess he got that put in, like, in, what, the, the 80s it's supposed to be? Like, in that kind of timeline? Yes. And so, like, after... And it's 2029, was this movie set in, right? Yes. So yeah. thirty years. So about. So after fifty years of had it, having the adamantium in his system, that was like what did him in. I think he's been slowly like petering out for the last like thirty years or so. Is I I don't think it was like a, all of a sudden. I think he's been sick. Like what what the movie kind of right. feels like where it starts off is like he's been sick for a long time, and this is just kind of how he lives now. Yeah. Um. I don't think it's like an all of a sudden like a regression or anything so like i guess that. like the theory would be that if he never had the adamantium am i saying that right adamantium yes yeah put in yeah. his system in the 80s that he might have lived for fine. like another hundred years like exactly okay yeah yeah, um, yeah. Okay. i thought they might have said like oh i already shot myself once like i was expecting that to be a reveal at some point it was like i shot myself it didn't kill me 
because I shot myself in the chest, and I'm saving this other bullet to shoot myself in the head if I do really want to die. Like, I thought that there was something literally going through his organs slowly to kill him oh like time no like like he like, tried to kill himself yeah i thought it was like an iron it's, man and that's what's killing him issue that he self-inflicted yeah but they never specified that so like my best guess is exactly what you just said okay so here's my other question and y'all might not know the answer to this but the timeline that question so like in days of futures past there's a second timeline created right so Correct. In, the f- in 1980. Right. So in the first timeline, it's like um, all like all the awful stuff with it that happened in X3. Then there's like the Sentinels. Like that's all happening in the first timeline, right? Correct. And then in the second timeline, it was supposed to be like a more happier version. Like the school is still up. Gene yep. is still alive. Like, yep. Um, you know, Logan still gets the adamantium put in in the 80s, like, and yep. that's when Apocalypse happens in the second timeline. So is this in the second timeline? Yeah, I think I, so. I I think, here's the thing, Fox does not care about the timeline at they all. They don't, not even a they, little. They're, they're just kind of playing just loosey-goosey here. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm like, what is it? It's loose. <laughs> yeah, they're playing fast and loose with the timeline. They really don't care. They're basically like, if someone has a story they want to tell, We'll throw it in here. It really doesn't matter. Okay. So I would say technically, probably, yes, this happens in the second timeline. In reality, it doesn't matter. No, but this is just a story. This to me felt like an offshoot. It felt like they are just like, you know these characters. We've got the same actors. Here's a totally separate story about everything. Right. And then kind of right. said, like, in this story, Charles killed everyone with a seizure. Because Caliban was in um, Apocalypse as well. Different actor different character really, really? but oh i forgot he? all yes. about that who is he yeah. in apocalypse he's he, he's like he's in like two shots early on he's oh. the guy who um olivia munn's character yes. was with yes 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 okay yes. i remember him then. oh yeah. right yeah so like, so, so, so this is them just saying like i want to tell this story i don't really care about anything uh, so excellent so days of futures past ends with logan waking up in the second timeline and like the school and everything's happy and beautiful and mm-hmm. so we go from like that happening to somehow all the mutants in the world are gone and with no explanation. Just like they gave an explanation. Oh, yeah. The explanation was, was they put um so they started genetically engineering. It was basically like GMOs, Monsanto. Like they started mm-hmm. putting stuff in all of the food supply that made genetic mutations like slowly not be a possibility genetically like and it's and it's not that all the mutants are dead it's that no mu- new mutants have been born in like the last 23 years so a lot of the mutants are dead but then what but... happened to all the people that he that was at, like at Xavier's school patrick oh, stewart had he killed uh, them all yeah he had a seizure when he first started having his degenerative brain disease he had a seizure that was so long that everyone died except he Logan killed all the x they did not make that clear because that, that was right before Patrick yeah. Stewart died. He was like, this isn't the first, that wasn't the first time I'd had a seizure, was yeah. it? I just remembered I, what happened with everyone. I think I understand you, Logan. I, I and on the radio that, when they're in the car that says about, right, the talks no, about the I Westchester incident. I both of those things, but they didn't make it clear that he killed everyone, all the other mutants. Like, I just thought it was like a similar incident to like what we saw before, but like inst- he just killed a bunch of like people in a city like yeah they didn't make oh, yeah. it. he killed everybody he, he was he was, the he was at the house he was yeah. at the yeah at the mansion and he killed all the x-men and that's why logan has him in the big tank and like took him right. all I, got, stuff I got he's... that part i just okay. the fact that what happened to all the other mutants i don't think was made clear in this movie all the all the other mutants or all the other x-men well x-men like they are mutants <laughs> like they right right but not all mutants are x-men i know that but there it's was a square bunch rectangle of situation. That we all knew like <laughs> we knew a all bunch of those of people we had names for them like we grew up watching movies about them you're st- you're still upset that the people that you like were not in this movie <laughs> i'm not even upset that they're not in this movie although i think that would have been a more fun movie i'm upset that like we didn't get i didn't know what happened to them um and i don't think that it was a clear explanation of what happened to them. I thought the kind of explanation they did in this movie was very, I mean, to borrow a, it was very Mag- Maxian. It was kind of like, 
we're going to throw in hints along the way and expect you to pick it up. And maybe you have to watch it twice to get everything, but I mean, it, I'm like, not saying spell I was confused. Like, the movie right. makes sense. I just would have liked I, more better better storytelling. I expected there to be some monologue or somebody talks about what happened, and I am very glad that that did not happen. I was not looking forward to it. Oh, I'm impressed that you thought that the guy that made Lo- Clone Wolverine didn't seem like a long monologue oh, that was a monologue but i'm saying a monologue about the about xavier killing all the x-men oh yeah that's what i was that was the monologue i was waiting for and i'm and i'm really glad we didn't get that yeah i thought they did that in a very understated way as opposed to the other guy who's like we found out that we could use the corn that we were planting and la 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 she's like right oh yeah that monologue was not great but <laughs> yeah yeah and also i was so taken off guard whenever clone wolverine came on the scene like oh my i, I didn't see that coming for a second and i've read a lot of the comics i, I was that coming, like, sh- a mile away there was- i was shocked that that wasn't in the marketing at all that yeah, wolverine I read fights an himself interview about how like they worked really hard to keep that out of the marketing i'm i'm so glad because that I was am like too. The, the terminator genesis marketing was like 99 percent built on the fact that arnold schwarzenegger fights his younger self and it looked terrible and was like was not interesting at all but having it show up in this movie was great. I like I figured it would be a, like a Wolverine clone, but I thought it would be more like another person with claws again as opposed to actually Hugh Jackman, like a younger, fitter version of right. Hugh Jackman. The way it worked too made for an incredible moment where I didn't know if I was like what is happening because I thought it was like a nightmare that was happening for a minute and then stuff kept happening and kept happening and I was like <laughs> oh no this isn't a nightmare this is actually happening this is real and then whenever I found out it was a clone I was like oh shit because like that was part of the thing when like when uh Charles Xavier was killed I was like that didn't just happen like Logan wouldn't have just killed him this is a nightmare he's wearing a black shirt this is clearly art direction like <laughs> this is an evil nightmare shirt choice like nope, no just an was, eagle evil look yeah just the same as a, a a goatee for the darkest timeline type thing exactly um, yeah and it made that moment and the way that it sunk in really really affecting for mm-hmm. me anyway yeah not as perceptive as sandra but uh <laughs> got to enjoy that moment was well, there anything else now that we are like fully out in the open that you want to talk about that you enjoyed? Did you guys like that it was rated R? Like, I felt like this movie would not have been good if it was PG-13. I don't know about y'all. A hundred percent agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And not necessarily like because I love all the gore and everything, but I just think like the emotional, like Sandra said, the emotional toll that it takes is an R-rated movie. Like the themes that it goes through mm-hmm. are just for a mature audience as opposed to um, a happy-go-lucky, you know, teen flick that we've gotten before. Yeah. I'm dying for a fucking happy-go-lucky teen flick, let me tell you. Because none of these (laughs) X-Men movies have really been about the school. They're always just about, like, (laughs) like these X-Men work at the school, but then there's a bigger thing that they need to attend to. And I just want a pure X-Men movie about the teens in the school. And there's not... They don't have to save the world... There's just, I just want them using powers and learning about their powers. Maybe someone tries to take over the school and they save the school, but just a, I want a high school X-Men movie. So, I would so, love actually, that so actually much. what you want is a high school X-Men TV show is really what you're saying you want. I think I would prefer a movie, but I would take Oh, come on. Show. I was trying no. to set you up. There's an X-Men t- teenage TV show coming out this year. Really? On, on Fox. Yeah. Yeah. That show... Sounds I but I totally like whether it's a show or a movie like I would love a movie that is all takes place in the school. I would love a, a movie or a TV show that takes place at Hogwarts without Voldemort involved. Like there's all of these amazing worlds that are being built with just like great human teen characters that would be awesome to follow regardless of a world-ending protagonist or antagonist. Uh like evil mm-hmm. super plot going on. We need smaller bad guys. Absolutely. Smaller, better bad I guys. Mean, basic. What I really want is Sky High, but for X Men. Like, ugh, gross. <laughs> Sky High is such a good movie. Oh gosh, guys, I enjoyed Sky High. If you haven't seen I Sky High, you're missing out. It's okay. great. Okay. Okay. Kurt Russell. One of the characters is named Warren Peace. Oh my gosh, guys. We just like different things. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Uh, oh, man. 
Well, thank you guys so much for talking through this. Um, what's your final recommendation? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thump in the middle? I Two thumbs up. I'll give it three thumbs up. Three claws up, if that is a thing. <laughs> oh, man. Done. I'm hilarious sometimes. You tried to pass that off as just like, if it's a thing, you know, whatever. Maybe yeah. I'm just going to set this joke here and maybe people yep. will laugh at it. You got putting effort into it. One toe claw oh. down. She didn't mm-hmm. use her toe claws. That's what I was upset about. That was like the one thing I was she upset about here. She didn't use it. a once. little bit, a little bit. Like she's, yeah, once. She should have been going crazy with those things. Man, those toe claws are killer literally but i think man, <laughs> she she could have she could have gone balls to the wall with those toe claws yeah she could have gone all out for sure and she gosh she did such a good job during the portions where she wasn't speaking and then her acting was i think as good better than hugh jackman's whenever she was speaking and she was acting in two languages i just like i'm so excited she's, for her future. she's she's so good she's so good they'll 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 do a solo thing with her in like four years when she's older it'll be great all be right great. Well, thank you for listening. Um, we've loved talking about this, and we'd love to hear what you have to say about it. Give us a tweet at feelingitpod online, or send us an email at feelingitpod at gmail.com. Um, or leave us an iTunes review if you want. We don't have a bunch of those, so if you did want to do it, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, I think that's it. Let's go around and let people know where you can find us online. Sandra? I'm Sandra Amstutz, and all of my social media social media usernames are at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. I'm Lucas Wright. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lucas and Stuff. I'm Lawson Soward. You can find me on social media platforms at Lawson West. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye, now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people.